Welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, we have Jen and James from Fundy Fridays, which is a YouTube channel that does deep dive videos on fundamental Christianity. Together, we talk about spiritual trauma, imposter syndrome, purity bricks, goat atheist. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot in this conversation. So tune in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to Modern Anarchy. It's great to have you. Thanks for having oh, me. Pumped. Yes. Big fans. I just got done uh, listening to the podcast today. Yeah, what did you think? <laughs> a lot of sex. This is why you're here. We are going to take a cleaner version for these next couple episodes. Um, I know. I was like, um... <laughs> well, we're happy to help breaking yeah, it up. Gonna, you guys are going to give me a dose of purity culture. Like, we're going to break up the sex. <laughs> I'm an open book. I'll answer your question. I mean, sure. you give us enough time, it'll get to the sex if you I... talk about all this stuff. Ooh, I'm here for all of it. <laughs> that is great. I'm a big fan of all of your work because no one really covers fundamental Christianity to the level that you do. There's a lot of people sprouting up lately, though, that are mm. doing the same kind of commentary with a slice of comedy. I love it. I mean, I think that's what we all need. Is it a phone? Yes. I feel like that's the <laughs> Facebook sound, isn't it? Is yes, it Facebook is the Facebook messenger? sound. Is that sad that I kind of can know what that means? I don't I hate our society. It makes my heart uh, like race when I hear it because it's always like somebody you don't want to hear from. Somebody that doesn't have your phone number is trying to talk to you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Let me turn off my camera so I stop staring at myself. This is very problematic. Um, <laughs> oh, that's you. problematic. I, I mean, I can't, I don't know if y'all are like Fuck. on Zoom frequently, but I really cannot focus with like seeing myself and another person. It's just really hard. I've heard I heard somebody recently describe it as like all day in my Zoom calls. That's my little pool, and I am Narcissus gazing at my own reflection <laughs> Seriously, until exactly. I die. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think that's what everyone's doing. If we're being really honest, we don't care how anyone else looks. We care how we look. Well, my so speaking of the sex, um, the real reason I brought James on is Back because his degree is of more relevance than than what I can offer. I think. Yeah. I have a well. What's I have the full a, thing. I mean, I have a master's degree, but that's probably not super relevant to this conversation. It's in it's in industrial organizational psychology, which interesting. It's human resources with math. That's what it is. It's just like statistical analysis of workplace functions. I have a bachelor's in psychology with double minors in sociology and women and gender studies. What was your religious background? Were you religious yourself or were you always an atheist? And I guess this goes to both of you. I'd love to hear. Uh, me, 
I can't like look back and remember a time where like my parents talked to me about religion like as a something that I needed to worry about. Mm. Like my mom uh, would would be like a lapsed Catholic, so she would tell me stuff every now and then, like mm-hmm. you know, like when it's thundering, that's God moving furniture, you know. But like nothing yeah. like you you need to be saved or whatever. And I've mentioned before, I've never been baptized, so. I just think that's like a fun, fun fact. Um, And I would like make up religions with my best friend. We had one um, where we would worship the rock gods and there were specific, (laughs) there were specific ones for like each day of the week. I can't remember the ones, but I know um, Bon Scott, Mm -hmm. he was the original singer of ACDC. That was Monday. And then anyway, so worship them (laughs) praying. um, Mm -hmm. And also you would listen to that band on a certain day. But anyways, I realized that that wasn't real because um, I prayed for my ferret one time and it unfortunately did not live. But Oh, no. Um, so <laughs> I don't have a background in fundamentalism. A lot of people ask me. Yeah. I'm just an anthropologist. <laughs> so right. an, an outside explorer. And James? I, I've had a lot of weird interactions with religion throughout my life. Um, and my family would go through small periods of religion. All my friends went to church, and so I was always around religion, but I could never really wrap my head around the idea of a god. It just never... I could never make the pieces fit the way that I felt like they needed to. Okay, so you personally didn't... Like, there wasn't a time where you were really trying to be a Christian and felt like you were a good Christian. It was more something that you grappled with on an intellectual sense rather than a personal identity sense. Yeah, my family never had religion as part of our identity. We went to church for, like a year when I was a kid. And even then it was a weird, it was a non-traditional church. I don't want to say weird (laughs) because they were very nice to us and we made a lot of good friends there, but it was also a church that like my mom has said, like people, you know, stopped her and, you know, were like, is this church okay? Because they like met in a trailer and, you know, they had like a, they had like a house that like we, we did church in and I've never know. heard this cool. story. <laughs> this sounds um, very Midwest. But... I am, I am the heart and soul of Midwest, man. That's all I've ever known. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think it's interesting. I try to explain, I I'm originally from Southern California, but I went to school in Indiana in a smaller oh. town. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I met some people that explained to me that they had tractor days. And I tell people that, that I meet in the city, and they don't believe me. (laughs) I'm like, no, I met people that really had tractor days. Like, they rode their Mm -hmm. tractor to school. Yeah, that's, (laughs) these are things that happen. Exactly. I mean. What? Like, it's, it's just a different life out there. I don't know. You're more isolated. I think, I think people just get bored out in the country sometimes and. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, yeah like like the old the old jokes about like in in small towns you will legitimately just make a friday evening out of driving in circles yes, that was something when i was in college in the midwest <laughs> people try to explain to me do you want to go driving and i'm like what and like yeah that's yep. just a thing you'll just drive around yeah, town you just drive drive out as far as you can refill the tank and drive back out all the like Popularity is subjective, but the cool rednecks in my hometown, they would hang out and party in the um, AutoZone parking lot. Ooh, lit. Because they used to do it at Sonic, and then they got kicked out. (laughs) They're taking too much spots. That's hilarious. (laughs) Equal background, I guess, to make this like a full fun conversation would be to tell you that I was raised in a more 
um, non-denominational Christian background, but then I went to private Christian school my entire life. So I really believed it. Like I had a purity ring. Like I was professing that homosexuals are sinners. Like I was full on there and now I'm over here queer poly doing psychology. So, you know, (laughs) wanted to bring y'all on the show to talk about this. I think that we could have some very interesting conversations. I, I told her I campaigned for George Bush in 04 Ooh. as Ooh. a weird oh, yeah. little nerdy Republican teenager. Yeah, I, I I feel like there's an interesting cognitive switch to have been so on the opposite end of your personal values mm-hmm. now that is really hard to grapple with. And I want to say, you know, before we start anything with this show that you specifically talk about fundamental Christianity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, which is not all aspects of fun, of Christianity. There's a lot of different interpretations, but within fundamental Christianity, there are a lot of problems. Right. Um, I would say fundamentalism is like the shadow, like the dark, <laughs> the the dark side of Christianity. Mm. You don't see a lot of any of the good stuff. You don't see any like hope or happiness. Yeah. A lot of like pretending that you're joyful, but I can't, I don't see a lot of like actual, no rejoicing in the Lord mm. <laughs> is what yeah. I will say. I I don't know if you've covered this or not, but I talk a lot about spiritual abuse because um, that's something that not a lot of people even um, think is a thing. Yes. But it's, you know, I'm not a believer, but I think that everybody has the right to go to church and not be abused. Like that's, that is when you are at your absolutely most vulnerable. Certainly. And it's so, it's so messed up that people in power take advantage of it and, even if nothing happens to you, like, physically, like, just the stuff that they put in your mind, and it's horrible, and I'm sorry that you ever had to go through anything like that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the book over here, I have that, it's called Leaving the Fold by Dr. Marley Winnell, and they are a psychologist who actually talked about Christianity and specifically fundamental Christianity and the abuse that occurs mentally regardless of what happened if you know there are other types of abuse sexual and other things that go on in the church but this specifically talks about mental abuse of just concepts like hell Mm -hmm. and just you know like that concept to be pushing upon children at a young age that hey if you don't believe in Jesus you're gonna burn in hell for the rest of your life and that's the direct message that's told like Mm -hmm. I just recently did an episode about um, Columbine and specifically Cassie Bernal, Rachel Scott. They were two girls that were shot and then their deaths were exploited by their parents pretty much. And they became martyrs, even Mm. though that they did not have any say in that. But a, a lot of people were commenting about this thing called Rachel's Challenge. And I can't believe I had never heard of it. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. even on the Wikipedia page. Otherwise, I would have mentioned it. They didn't yeah. do it at my school. And my school did a lot of sketchy stuff. So I'm very surprised that they didn't have okay. this. <laughs> we got to step back. For someone who doesn't know that first story, we got to explain what that is. And then we need to explain what Rachel's Challenge is. Because you're in a deep dive like world. Like, we got to step out. <laughs> like, a lot other people it doesn't know. feel like it anymore. I know. No, uh, I know. Which part should I back up? <laughs> All the way to the story of, I think, I, I, I'm forgetting the person's name, but I know what this, this is the, she said yes. Oh, Rachel Scott. Yeah, because <laughs> I think that, um, I, I tried to poll a couple of people. I was like, do you know who the Duggars are? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, wow, we gotta, yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. We gotta, we gotta step back for people who might not even know, like, first off, what do you, what's fundamental Christianity? And my understanding <laughs> of reading the definition Good is question. that, um, okay, so the, the, For anyone who's listening, fundamental Christianity are Christians who take the Bible literally. Yes. 
And that's what it ends up being is that they have this literal interpretation of the Bible. And that's the kind of Christianity we're talking about that takes everything word for word as the inerrant word of God. Yeah. And that's what drives a lot of their um, behavior. <laughs> yes, so like correct. The, why they dress specifically um, certain passages that are favorites, you know, like the mm-hmm. quiverful one and no women speaking in church, the submit to men, you know, but so fundamentalism, I if you shorthand, it's the, you know, the really hardcore, the hardcore Christians and not mm-hmm. in the fun way to me, like a hardcore Christian that would be fun would be like God is gray or something. Mm. fundamental i think (laughs) i think one thing to add with fundamentalism is that it's the most restrictive form of christianity it's it has the most rules to you have the most to lose yeah yeah whereas progressive christianity is like a newer movement um Mm -hmm. it's not a denomination just like fundamental christianity is not a denomination Mm -hmm. it's just like a group of people who have similar ideas and there's this new progressive Christian movement that's coming out that's inclusive of everybody and mm. pro-sex work and a little bit communist, you know, we keep mm-hmm. that under wraps. <laughs> a little too scary for some mm-hmm. people. but And I on my channel, I talk about that kind of Christianity. Every now and then I have like a happy story, but most of the time it's these bad ones and I try to sprinkle in humor so that we don't cry. Exactly. I think that is very much so needed because a lot of it is just problem after problem after problem with no light at the end of the tunnel i feel like with this but i feel like it there's there's this um church Two movement which is like the religious response to me too mm. and there's like this stop church abuse now campaign i've seen there's the Good. preacher boys podcast who they're working on a documentary and it's about ifb abuse independent fundamental baptist that's the so you can be Mm. a fundamentalist without specifically being a fundamental baptist but that's Mm. the like flavor that i deal with a lot it's very popular in the bible belt where we live so columbine we all yeah horrible mass shooting yeah yeah so cassie bernal was a student who allegedly said gosh i don't even like telling the story one of the shooters asked her if she believed in god she said yes, and then he shot her. Mm-hmm. Well, plot twist, that didn't actually happen. What? Well, okay. there you go. Her parents wrote a book about it, and the book was literally called The Unlikely Martyrdom. And went on a book tour, and there's a bunch of songs about it. And I didn't realize that she wasn't even that famous, because this Rachel Scott girl, who I had never heard of until I did the episode, apparently someone asked her if she said if she believed in God, she said yes. That also didn't happen. And her parents wrote several books, did a tour, like they went to public schools and had like her brother come and the family and they would talk about how she used to have prophecies that she thought she was going to die and you know, how she, you know, all this stuff. And they would like wrap it up with anti-bullying. Wow. I didn't know about the first one. I think I know about the second one. Was that book called She Said Yes? There was a book that was literally she just called She Said Yes that. was Cassie Bernal. And then okay. there was a Pure Flix movie in 2016 called I'm Not Ashamed. And that's about <sighs> Rachel. Wow. I remember being a Christian and wondering, hearing the story and genuinely asking myself multiple times over, if there was a gun to my head, what would I say? And I, I as a Christian, I literally was thinking that because I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to say yes. I'm going to have to, right? Like, that's what I'm going to have to do. It's just fascinating that, like, yeah, that was a part of my psyche. So to even hear that you're saying that's not real, like, wow. Well, the reason I was uh, segueing into that story is because we were talking about, like, the mental abuse. Mm. I think that the mass conditioning of 
kids or anybody of any age that so Rachel's challenge <laughs> sorry yeah um, so Rachel's challenge is a assembly that you that you have at your school and they teach you about anti-bullying so a lot of churches took it even farther mm. and they would have the kids ask if they would say yes or sometimes I heard that they would have drills and they would have like the preachers pretend to be shooters and they would come in and you'd have to act it out or right. um so this is happening to thousands of kids and so we got the martyrdom one children like yeah. you're prepping what sort of mental images and prep are you putting in their head sorry i'm just so upset keep going <laughs> i hope you're not like, trying to process this as we're doing the podcast i'm sorry <laughs> i think i will be this entire time <laughs> it's fine i accept uh, it so a lot of people were talking about they were all conditioned for martyrdom at a young age and some mm -hmm. of them were like oh i had totally repressed this until i saw this episode yeah i heard a story about somebody who had a, a literal brick that was supposed to represent their purity that they got at like some bible camp you know and just Use your purity brick <laughs> like the more <laughs> i hear about all these stories and i'm like wait a minute stay that story again that was actually really horrible what <laughs> you know yeah, exactly what did the brick mean oh it's supposed to represent the burden of their virginity and which I think sounds you... like you'd want to get rid of it even faster if it was yeah a burden. <laughs> i want to drop that what well see it was wasn't the whole thing supposed to be like you give it to your husband on your wedding night to build your foundation or something oh that's so romantic wow same time though i mean a brick's a pretty good weapon so what message is that you know hey yeah it's a, it's a complicated message for people here um, yes i um <laughs> i had talked about this before but my messaging was when i came to chapel they separated the men and the women or i guess we were kids at the time and this is in high school um but they put two pieces of colored paper together with glue I've heard about that one. <laughs> yep. And then they stick the paper together and then they say, this is what happens when you have sex. And then they pulled it apart and like, this is what you're left with. You lose parts of yourself on this paper and that paper. And who's going to want this paper with all these parts missing? Okay. Like, yeah, that's abuse. That we're telling all these kids, you know. If that's what happens when you have sex, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> like you yes. just say you are not medically well yes <laughs> it's just a disadvantage for everyone and then if anything bad does happen then they're afraid to say something because they feel like it's their fault or yeah let's say i do report it to somebody in my church there's a high chance they're probably just gonna say that sucks you know and not do anything about it or blame right. it on you try to figure out what you did yeah, exactly. they love to be to figure out what the victim did to provoke the attack. That's a favorite in some of the circles we've seen. Definitely, yeah, and I think there's always this message within purity culture that men are uncontrollable. Yeah, that men are gonna—they're visual creatures. That's why they're lusting after you. So it's your job as the woman to cover yourself up. And so, I mean, that's just perpetuating rape culture at its finest, you know? Like, they're uncontrollable beasts, so they're going to come at you. It's just like, no, learn some goddamn control. Jesus, that is not an excuse. It's just, it's very interesting how they frame all of this. Mm -hmm. Well, women are supposed to, uh, like, they're simultaneously the most sexual and, like, the dirtiest, worst thing ever, but also supposed to uphold the purity of the man, and they're the ones that have the parental controls on the porn on the <laughs> computer like they're supposed mm. to be trusted with all this stuff yet sex pots what sex pot that's just like a, a phrase 
Do you want me to re- say the whole sentence again? No, for sure. No, I mean, this is a learning <laughs> podcast. Tell me, did you say sex pots? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a phrase. I've never heard it. It's like a it's like a trope of like a like a seductress. Oh. Well, there you go. I don't know. I mean, but Honey yes, I know. Honey pot is also another way to say it. Well, I mean, I'm thinking of Bathsheba, you know, she's sitting in the bath in the window, like, look at me, come. And then I forget what man cheats on his wife by going up there. Anyhow, but yes, I mean, that's the whole thing within Christianity. And I, I don't know, I would love to study how that culture makes it even harder to communicate during sex and to with consent. I think there is a really big link to the fact that we're not taught at a young age how to say no um, it's just like purity, 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 purity. It's never going to come out. Don't even get close to that situation. And then when you do get in that situation, being able to communicate and boundaries and stuff like that's just not really taught at a young age. And I do think that that it doesn't make things happen, but it certainly doesn't help the situation, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a lot of, well, your body is not your own. It's it's yeah. God's or, you know Temple. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, it starts as a child, you know, I you and I make th- Jesus cry. Do you? Yeah. I think they, they also like <laughs> not to overcut but like they there's an assumption in christian in fundamentalist christianity that if you believe correctly these things you worry about will work themselves out Mm. and so there's this focus on just make sure you're doing the rituals and believing and and being a good christian but all that time you're investing in quote-unquote being a good christian is you know you're not learning any skills so when you get there you you know when you when you're finally in in the bedroom and everybody's told you it would just work out mm-hmm. it won't just work out but now you're not no. prepared for that and you're you're kind of already in that situation and you're having to a phrase that one of my coworkers uses it a lot uses a lot is you have to build the airplane while you're flying it like certainly you know and and that puts you in a situation where you know you didn't need to be there if you'd just been properly educated and had people around you who were realistic about the world Mm-hmm. you wouldn't be here and, and it's tragic and unnecessary certainly i mean people don't even have the language to talk about these things i mean the church does i mean at least from my under- personal experience would talk about sex and they would talk about song of solomon because there's a lot of in there that's a little bit more sensual and erotic <laughs> truly that talks about sex um and so the church would always say you know like sex is normal it's something that happens though in a marriage it's something that happens in a marriage you know and so like yeah exactly there's no language to discuss up to that point. And God, I remember the biggest thing was, oh, is oral sex sex? And all Christians were just like, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we can still do that. And that be, you know, still virgins. It's just like Hum- fascinating. Yeah, you don't love those loopholes. <laughs> yes. yes. Humans and- will invariably look for the the ways around the rules. And that's, you know, and uh, that's what that's what happens is these these weird little rituals like that and soaking and all that mm. stuff. I mean, I think Christianity really focuses on procreation. Penetrative sex is the only type of sex, right? So, like, it gets that message that that's what it is. Like, that's also probably a symptom of like the greater, you know, cis-normative yes. narrative. Yes. Is, yep. You know, you've probably heard the you're you didn't really lose your virginity if blank or yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many problems with purity culture and all of it, really, as a whole. That I just. It, it is truly sad to see other children that are having to go through the same experience because it really is anxiety provoking. You're put up against God who is this, you know, figure that you can't even really talk to or have actual debates about these topics. And you're told that if you don't obey correctly, you're going to hell. 
mm-hmm. like that that's an unfair relationship it's almost like an abusive metaphorical relationship you know it's just it's fascinating to me you're told you're told you're going to hell and everyone has a different idea of how you're going to get there none of them are any more powerful than their own charisma essentially Right. Because, you know, so you're just kind of at the mercy of the most charismatic preacher who came around at your formative moments. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden you're supposed to invest your entire life and well-being in their will. And yeah, it's just, I, yeah. it's so odd how it all comes together. Exactly. Have you heard of John Allegro? No. No. Okay, time to put this in the... Yeah, you're pulling up that Google Doc? <laughs> yep. John Allegro, he wrote this book. Um, I think it's the... Okay. The, was Is it The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross? Is, uh, archaeologist. Yeah, what is the book title? Nancy School Scholar. The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. So this guy, he is a archaeologist and scholar that used to be a really strong Christian, and he learned Aramaic, and then he studies the Dead Sea Scrolls himself for months and months and months, and then comes out with this big theory okay. that all of Christianity started from a fertility cult. And then so he writes this book and then the Vatican obviously like seized control of it. And then um, years later, someone got the rights to it and republished it. But I mean, that sounds OK. You just inspired me to make a new episode. So yeah. that <laughs> sounds awesome. Happening, first off, and <laughs> fascinating, right? <laughs> second off, though, like I'm thinking about it and at least in my head, the pieces fit. I see I would, it. I see yes, how I get from. Yes. I don't know enough about it to dispute it. So, OK. <laughs> And it would ex- make sense. I mean, people have talked about, um, at least Joe Rogan, right, has talked about um, and had people's come <laughs> Speaking on. Speaking of psychedelics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have someone coming on to talk about it. I have two people coming on, a journalist who wrote a book and then a um, actual, like, science PhD doctor. But so we'll get to that on the show. <laughs> There's a lot of religions that that use psychedelics to talk to God. So it Certainly. checks out. And I can't believe I've never heard of this. Yeah, if so, okay, for someone then who's not in any of the culture of what we've just talked about, what would be like a good synopsis to kind of explain, like encapsulate fundamental Christianity? If it depends, depending on the way you phrased it, if it's like, do you want to see how dark it can get? My way of going at it would be to tell people to look up Michael Pearl. Um, Mm. And I think Jen has the definitive video on Michael Pearl. That is not Mm. just my biased opinion. I might have the only one. I don't know, but that's. (sighs) That's the one with the child rearing. Yeah, to train up a child because it's yeah. just and that so book is extremely popular in haunting, circles. So. Haunting. It oh will God. rot yes. you. And his description of having sex with his wife for the first yep. time. Oh my yeah. God. I I literally just jaw dropped. This is sexual assault. Yep. What? And he's bragging about it. Oh my God. Like, doesn't even care. Yeah. Okay, okay, so someone's listening. Tell them. <laughs> okay. Let's tell them. Because I, I watched this video, too, so, right. like, yeah. what? Michael Pearl, his wife is Debbie Pearl. They run No Greater Joy Ministries, and they write books. Their most famous one is How to Train Up a Child. Train Up a Child, then the way he will go, he will not depart from it. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Scholarly. So he talks about how to break your child's will, and and he does not shy away from anything at all. He, like, tells you... What types of instruments you should use, the width, the length, um, how thick. He says to make sure that you check in with your local authorities to see what would be considered, what's considered a rod and what's considered a weapon. And, but it really emphasizes like you have to hit them and you have to make it hurt and it has to be like very severe 
in order mm-hmm. for it to work, in order for it to stick, if you follow his program. Wow. And they talk about doing it to babies. Um, six weeks. Six weeks. Well, um, because babies are sinful. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and a lot of them, they'll say, like, because I, I talked about this other lady called the Transformed Wife, and mm-hmm. she's buddy buddies with the pearls, but she also talks about child abuse. And she, when people say, like, oh, how could you hit your toddler? How could you hit your baby? And their response will always be, well, if you do it right, you won't have to hit them past three. <laughs> yeah, again, passing. Right amount of silence. <laughs> passing yeah. the blame on to, because, and again, I know separate of the child abuse, which is a hard phrase when you're talking about the pearls, but it's the idea of, it's like, it's that same thing that comes back with fundamentalist Christianity. Hey, Michael Pearl, your thing didn't work and my kid still has behavior issues. Mm. Well, if you did it right, then this wouldn't have happened. So it's not my fault you didn't listen. Like, it's just, oh, it's this so self-serving. But, um, I so it's a tautology. Several <laughs> children have died um, because of, I don't think you're allowed to say that directly because of the pearls, but all of the children that died, their parents had that book, and mm. they were, the things they did to the children were, like, recommended examples in the book of things wow, that you should do really to, yeah yeah the ones like, that died yeah like spraying them with a hose when they wet themselves to like yep. i guess teach them that it, whatever that's supposed to teach them starving them uh, making them sleep outside obviously hitting them for hours they like he even literally recommends like how to time the hittings you know wow. do it for this amount pray do it for this amount if they haven't, their will isn't broken, start from the beginning. Like, yes. It's wow. really graphic. And um, like a lot of fundies, they don't, I guess they don't realize how bad it sounds because they literally will post their every waking thought online, including the story of how he assaulted his wife throughout their honeymoon mm. and the, the little girl that had her underwear showing at church that he became obsessed with and the beating of the children and all that. Like, he's just like, yep, here you go. There's nothing wrong with this. Let me just post this. You'll see, like, I see, like, him preaching in his church. And, I'm, like, because he does, he has, like, videos on YouTube where he's preaching in front of a live audience. And my brain is just going, why has no one gotten up and hit him? Yeah. Like, and I know, ironically, that's, like, the opposite of this. But he's a grown man, and I think it's high time for him to take one on the chin. Like, right. I don't know. Like, he... That's his opinion. You can, yeah, you just say, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, but seriously, like, I cannot listen. Because he preaches this stuff. He says this stuff to a live audience. Mm. And I'm, like, we always play that same clip where he's using that little doll. And he's, like, demonstrating whipping techniques on a doll. And I'm, like, yeah. how has no one person in this room gotten up and gone, like, excuse me, what the hell are you doing? Like, right. people just sit there and go, yes, yes, I agree. I, Great I, idea. Let's write that down. I think that them posting so proudly about this is just potentially a reflection of how much they believe these things to be perfectly fine, which is honestly terrifying. And the fact that you are the only person, would you like to say you, both of you, the team, like, how do you want me to refer to you? Like, or is it Jen? It's Jen? Okay. Uh, James edits my scripts, <laughs> but it's mostly me. So okay, got it. give okay. me all the credit. <laughs> Jen, you're the only person that has talked about this, at least on YouTube. Why? Why are people not up in, like, uproar about this? These are children that are being abused. Maybe because, I mean, the pearls themselves are old. Mm -hmm. um, And this book's from the 70s or 80s. 
I think more and more people are going to talk about it because like this, this, I don't know. Yeah. I have a couple this... of ideas. I'm jumping in. I don't care. <laughs> I have things to say. And part of it's bragging about you because I think that, well, I think part of the reason people aren't talking about it is something that Jen is really like remedying with her channel and it's something i've said consistently part of the reason i think people like the channel so much is because jen's channel is really good for beginners it's a very good place to start she does such a good job of of, of compacting everything into a nice easily digestible starter point mm -hmm. and it's like and that's not to say that you don't do your research and it's not very yeah. in-depth and well quality, it's funny but... because whenever i come on podcasts and stuff and then i forget that not everybody knows all this stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like i think people watch because that's something i've noticed about her her channels like comment sections is it seems like mm -hmm. you have a lot of first timers people mm -hmm. who were interested but didn't know where to start looking into this stuff and right. you do these very watchable funny videos and you list all your sources because we do devote, and I will add myself as a we on this because I do help with research. I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, but but particularly her because she's doing it full time now and it's just crazy to watch her when she's in the zone. But like, I think that Jen's <laughs> channel is important because it's putting new eyes onto these things. And I think that a lot of this stuff gets gets kind of caught up in in dense theories discussed among insular yes. communities. yes. I love too, James, how you talked about Jen. Because Jen, I want to take a moment to honor you. I feel like you're already oh, shaking your head. Attention. Absolutely not. Let's. <laughs> She's getting let's, used to it. <laughs> good. Okay, let's take a moment. I would say you're an activist. Hundred and ten percent. Oh yeah. Do you do you see that? Um, I think so. Yes. And the, uh, the next episode I'm doing is about Mrs. Midwest, and she's um real popular in white supremacist circles, mm -hmm. and I'm making. A lot of statements in that that I would make myself more of an activist. Yes, so you're right on the cusp of it. I mean, okay, let's a hundred thousand followers. People are listening to you, Jen. Yeah, that I, that is just, still weird to I, hear out loud. It is weird. Yeah, like, like just taking. I I think this is also a, an interesting thing to talk about with people that I bring on the show. Is like when do we start to acknowledge that we're making change in society and. I would say that you are actively doing that by having a hundred thousand people that subscribe and listen to your videos and are hearing about abuse that is ongoing and you are spreading the word about that. I think the thing that makes me the most proud about all that is the, the community that's sprouted mm -hmm. up because it is mostly Christians and a lot of them have left fundamentalism or have wow. had, had run-ins with various, you know, Christian things. And that the fact that they have each other, not so much me, because like I can't really give a lot of like advice to them, or you know, I, I will send them sources of people they can talk to, but like mm -hmm. I'm not really equipped for that. But like I see the friendships that have formed, and like yeah. the little sub communities they have, and somebody uh, wanted me to start a like survivors group on my Discord, yes. and I did that, and I was like, Wow, Jen! Like I don't go in there a lot, but I watch the stuff they're talking about, and it's just incredible. Shout out Jen. to the mods. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, yeah. it's amazing to me that you you don't see what big work that you're doing to change people's lives. You make me cry. <laughs> I know, but truly, I mean that. Okay, so Christians, when you leave that community, they lose that social community, and that is such a big process of the deconversion. 
that is so isolating and you're trying to navigate this world all alone. They talk about how big those social groups can be for people coming out of X, you know, identity pieces. And you're starting that, Jen. I remember seeing something at one point in a, you know, like, um, it was like a post on the internet I saw. And it was from like a, a children's guide to door-to-door soul winning. Mm. And it was like, it had like, Mr. Goat the Atheist. And it was like, if you encounter an atheist, be careful because they're angry and mean and they're going to try and turn you away from God. Mm. And I was, and I thought about what you were just saying now that it's, you know, when you do leave the church, you're leaving your community. I I worked in in social work for a long time. And um, one thing I I heard uh, somebody tell me that was kind of interesting that really stuck with me was they were talking about being an addict and they were like, you know, as an addict, the first thing when you get clean, they tell you is you got to leave your your mm-hmm. all the things behind that you that remind you of your addiction, and that you got to get rid of your the phrase we use in Missouri. You got to get rid of your meth friends. That mm. was the phrase that they, he always heard. And this guy said to me, he's like, "But here's what people: if you weren't an addict, here's what you don't get. Those were my friends. Yeah, we didn't." He's like, did we smoke drugs? Did we do drugs together? Absolutely. Did we also talk about life and support each other and do the best we could? Yes, we did. And I'm losing all of that to try and better myself. And I think it's very similar in Christianity. And so I think Jen is interesting because we're... Both of us, but you definitely. It's like, you're the Mr. Goat. You're the scary atheist they've been trained to fear. And then when you're nice and you're accepting and you're like, I understand they took advantage of you. You're out now. Come on over. Come on in. Mm-hmm. That that means everything. Honestly, I would say that like people who used to be Christians are probably thinking that former Christians are going to be their, you know, the people that will accept them. They try to find groups mm-hmm. of people who've left the church. But you are showing them that, the rest of the world isn't scary either. Yeah, and I do, I have, this is making me think an awful lot about this stuff now. Uh, mm, but like, that's good. I get a lot of people that they'll say like, oh, I'm a Christian. And when I entered this comment section, I thought I was going to be in enemy territory. Mm. But like, everybody is so nice. Or like, they'll, they'll come and they'll be like, I watched eight episodes and I just found out that you're an atheist. Because <laughs> um, I really do try to uh, break the stereotype of, you know, the like, crusty mean edgelord atheist that hates women and thinks that christians are stupid you know i, th- I want to show that uh, we can all be friends and we probably have a lot more in common than than you would think you know exactly i i think i'm sometimes the only person who can talk about these <laughs> things because i do not care about my eternal salvation it is like <laughs> i have no stakes yes. in this yes <laughs> People who leave from religions, fundamentalists or not, do show signs of trauma, whatever we want to call that. There are clearly responses, and I think that the first time someone told me that, I was like, wow, my religious experience could have been traumatic? Interesting, because all my life I was taught that, you know, I broke away, I was the sinful one that stopped believing, versus kind of turning it on the head of, wow, maybe there was problems there and it wasn't me, and I actually left an abusive situation. And I think that your channel makes that so clear to people that in the way that you do it in a way that is not attacking and you just truly identify the hypocrisy it becomes super clear that it's like wait there i maybe should have questioned the authority i maybe should have questioned these ideals and other pieces like that and that's life-changing work to be presenting people with that level of cognitive space and additionally a community space Mm -hmm. 
like uh, yeah, soak in it I want I want everyone that comes on the show to recognize that you're taking big steps to change the world and that is why I brought you here and I want you to talk about it and like just feel good about the work that you're doing it's amazing this is, this is a good pump up I like this yeah I'm right I I don't think that mentors and people who are leaders sometimes hear how big the work that they are doing is and or like it's it's just a lot of imposter syndrome I would imagine right <laughs> right when I first I my channel was like pretty small until I did the classically abby video and then it literally blew up overnight mm. that was a a good chunk of imposter syndrome for about February a month, was a weird month I Let's, love myself yeah. again so it's fine <laughs> speaking so a lot of people um I, I contextualized the abuse for them, and his ex reached out to him wow. and was like, hey, are you, is your girlfriend Fundy Fridays? Also, I was abused, and I didn't realize it until I watched the video. Yeah. Wow. And... Jen. Jen. <laughs> yeah. That's life-changing. That's that's happened multiple times. That was the only ex, but I've had multiple like... friends of mine, old coworkers, reach out to me and say, hey, you're, you're and I mean, Midwest, man, it's like, your girlfriend's videos are great and we're really into this and we're learning a lot of stuff. And like, this has happened to me multiple times. The thing wow. I am still the most proud of, and, and I'll say it's, I'm especially proud of it because I got to be a part of it in this mm. video, but I still, it's one comment and I couldn't find it now if I wanted to, but I, we, we were cheering on Micah Plath during welcome to Plathville at the, the end of it is he's standing up to his parents and enforcing good boundaries and all this stuff. Mm. And we're cheering him on. Like we're watching a boxing match mm. and, and somebody, somebody in the comments said, I have to go confront my parents today and I'm going to imagine you guys are cheering for me. Oh, and yeah. that comments like that, that, that hit me. See, I'm getting it now. Sometimes if it's a, g- a really good yeah. comment, I go and like find him in the other room and I'm like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> And it's I true. just, I, I do browse the comments sometimes. They make me feel good. But, um, I was just thinking, so the, like the DSM is always changing and I'm sure in a few years we'll have um, PTSD uh, things that we can assign to religious trauma because there's a lot of things that, that have uh, been changed or, you know, especially mm-hmm. like homosexuality is not considered, yep. you know, a mental illness. disorder anymore. So we're on our way, but. I think for the longest time, it was not, people could not think of Christianity as mm-hmm. bad. Like religion yeah. is just a net good, no matter what. It's always good. Like you're, if you had to pick somewhere to, you know, send your kid for the night, you're going to lock him up in the church or you're going to send them to, I can't think of a place, Arby's, uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, something. The fact that people are like, oh, religious abuse. Like those two things don't go together. There's religion within or there's abuse within sometimes, but they don't think of when you try to control someone's mind, that's, uh, I think it starts to turn. I think people (laughs) don't want to call it religious abuse because, and I don't mean that it's disparage anything, but I think in regards to a lot of these, these belief structures we've talked about and particularly these fundamentalist structures I mean, the the abuse isn't a bug; it's a feature. Like it's mm. it's there structurally. It's part of the process. Yeah. The psychological torment of hell is kind of the point. Like mm-hmm. it's otherwise, like if you're like you know, it's like you need to live this way or what. I don't know. You're gonna leave. Like you're not gonna. Yeah. They have to. They have to have something to keep you there. The the torment is part of the process. 
And mm-hmm. so when we call it religious abuse, we're not just highlighting that particular behavior. We're challenging the entire structure. And and people don't like that. They don't yep. like that. And I think that's why we've seen, especially over the past few years, you know, as people are becoming more open to, to challenging religion over time, mm-hmm. the response is that you're seeing these communities get more insular and they become more inwardly focused. Yeah. And, you know, I think channels like gens are important because it's it's like a lighthouse it's a lighthouse in a very dark sea for a lot of yes yeah i just wanted to say that there there is more channels like mine popping up yes so this is very exciting faith evolving that's my new bestie gabs with abigail nice x fundy x fundy diaries i haven't seen that one yet there's the exvangelical podcast your your favorite heretics preacher boys that's all the ones i can think of but they're coming i try to shout everybody out yeah, no, this is good. Um, and I think that in the future, more people will come to recognize the abuse that can be religion for some people's experience. Right. And I get maybe some fundamentalists, they think that any critique of fundamentalism or religion at large, they think that we're critiquing like God. They mm-hmm. they immediately like they can't separate. And I, I want it to be known. I wish that the we didn't have the bad structures. I would love it if there was, you know, I don't want Christianity to go away. Yeah. I don't want people to stop believing in God if that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to do so without um, being tortured or think that they're going to hell or that something bad happened to them was their fault or, yeah. you know, anything like that. Some people develop a lot of compulsions and, and obsessive thoughts because they think, or it starts when they're little, they think, well, God, if I don't touch the doorknob five times, God's going to kill my parents. Mm. You know, because it starts so young. You know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, people have talk about having dreams years later after deconverting of ending up in hell. Just, you know, it's pretty close to PTSD symptoms, I would say, of having reoccurring thoughts, you know, coming up years later. Or people who... um. They talk about how hard it is to even be around other Christians once you deconvert. It's almost like a traumatic experience. I think it's, it's fascinating, even like the topic, the body being sinful and this process of how Christians will have to go through their own mental process and say, oh, like whatever I want, that's of the flesh. I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray to God and let him speak to me and wait for him to speak to me. And that continual negation of yourself and what you want Mm -hmm. and then you leave after and you're like I don't know how to ask myself what I need what I want because for whatever x amount of years I've been denying all of it I almost like want to do a like a part about what religious abuse can look like I I can I'll hop in on this one I think um I don't know necessarily I've seen how like I mentioned, living in the Midwest, you kind of bump into re- and not being religious, you bump into it a lot, mm-hmm. and so you see it when it when it's at its most when it's at its most enriching for people because truly, and some of the best people I've ever met in my life were very, very, very devout Christians of one capacity or another. Usually, not independent, you know, IFB or anything like that. Although I had some friends even out on that spectrum, but like, it's hard. That's why I said before, it's so hard to separate the abuse from the structure because I think invariably, mm-hmm. like, it almost seems to me like less, like, how do I put this? There's this kind of 
stretch and return effect with religion a lot of times where you know the abuse holds on to you and it's almost to me it reminds me a lot of the work i did with addicts there are withdrawals there are relapses it's you go back and so that i guess is what i would say the relapsing element is a big part of it too because you lose something when you step out and that's Mm -hmm. why people are so fiercely you know fiercely resistant to being challenged on it is because you know Anytime you try to bring up that someone may be in a toxic relationship with their religion, I know that's a weird phrase, but it's not. You, you you can't say that you can't say that without challenging why they're there at all. Certainly. It's an all or nothing, and I think that's become more and more common as we people talk about the country dividing more, but as I said, people are becoming more willing to challenge Christianity and these insular communities are becoming more and more aggressive at keeping their followers and finding Mm. new creative ways to, you know, slip that abuse and slip that torment into the structure without it being overtly abusive. Most people can look at Michael Pearl now and be like, no, not that. Definitely not that. Exactly. But then you look at a church like Bethel. They're, they're much more creative with it. They're, Mm the way they do it is different. And yeah, Bethel was a yeah. big charismatic church in California. They last year, oh, maybe it was 2019. They tried to resurrect a little girl through song and prayer and it didn't work. It, only if you didn't hear a little girl did not come back to life. Um, but uh, it was just, it, it went on for just traumatizing that family. I mean, over one day and it was over too long, but it went on for weeks. Wow. Weeks. And so that's their claim to fame, but their uh, their leader is also real. They do all kinds of goofy stuff, but that's for another time. <laughs> because I I think there's an element of religion where, like I said, the 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 torment is such a part of it that they're getting innovative about it. It's also mm-hmm. their livelihood, so it's like yeah. there's this capitalist element too, where it's like, what's the new creative way for me to make sure they never leave? Or like most of these people genuinely believe that what they're doing is the correct good thing and that Mm -hmm. no matter if it's in the name of god it can never be bad it's always good Mm -hmm. so like people like girl to find which is a another youtube channel um that teaches biblical uh womanhood to little girls they think they're doing a good job they think what they're doing is good so they're not going to stop and if you tell them what they're doing is wrong they're they're not going to believe you because mm-hmm. they can't, and anymore, it hasn't been presented to them as this is something that could possibly be bad. Right. And I mean, the identity of that faith is not just a facet of your life. It is your whole life. It is your ideology. It's everything that you see, your relationships, the way you live, breathe, exist in the world. So yeah, it's really hard when you try to call people out on their whole identity and their whole everything. And then that's the hardest to strip away, you know, for the people who come out. Now, yeah, it's not just, oh, this little identity piece. For the people that really believed it, it is stripping away years of understanding of the world. I, I remember when I stopped believing it, I was crying to my friends at the time saying, I don't know why I am existing. I don't know what I'm doing on this earth and what my purpose is. Because when you take away God, it suddenly becomes meaningless. You're like, what is the point of any of this? Mm-hmm. When that's what you've believed for so long. So it's just, it really is a difficult process. I like to have things on my show of activism. Like, what can <laughs> we do to raise awareness about these problems? How do we help people? Not that I have the answer to that question. I'm just like generally like trying to think to myself right now, like what could we tell people? Well, no, I just, th- well, this is something I've thought a lot about. And again, I think it's just the idea of if you are someone who is, you know, 
willing to accept people who come from churches you really didn't agree with and and is willing to explore those things and greet people with open arms as they come out that's the best thing you can do i think mm-hmm. i think that fighting religious abuse happens a lot on a micro level because it's so personal and it's so specific and everyone has similar stories but no one has the same story right and so just making sure that you as a person are ready to have those conversations with people when they're going to come up because and i mean Mm -hmm. i say that as a again a midwesterner it's going to come up in our life certainly and so you know being willing to to be there for people and be the person who says look i don't have to agree with you and i'm here for you when you come out but Certainly. And if you meet people who talk about being, you know, having a religious faith, maybe not making the assumption that that was a good time. Maybe you ask them, you know, like, how was that experience for you? Open up a conversation and provide space for them to begin those dialogues because frequently there's not enough space for people to talk about how their religious experience was bad. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't talk about that. Well, if if the Christians don't get to them first and make them feel bad, then, you know, they might get made fun of by other groups or, you know. Exactly. But you nightmare scenario. That's not going to happen. If you want to leave, I promise there's good places to go. But you can always be, in, in terms of activism, I think that's the thing. You can always be a kind ear. You can always mm-hmm. be someone who is willing to have those hard conversations with people. I mean, right. I don't want to say always put yourself out there. They're hard conversations. Do self-care. Take care of yourself. Don't of overextend. But like, if you're someone who's, you know who is willing to be be the person who helps others see a different way of life, then be Certainly. that. Just make Certainly. sure you're ready because <laughs> it'll right. come up on you. Exactly. And normalizing that these are experiences that have happened and can be traumatic, regardless of if there was sexual abuse, physical abuse going on, emotional abuse is real, right? And I think frequently people kind of forget that piece too, that that can be really a big part of faith and the traumatic experiences that are often accompanied with that. One of the things too I like to ask on the podcast, and I know we talked about a lot of different things too on our episode together, but I ask everyone, what is one thing they want to normalize? I was thinking about that today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say for me, normalize admitting when you're wrong and and Mm. be willing to fix it because mm-hmm. that's something that i don't see a lot of um these fundamentals doing but um for example i've my girl defined video i made one a year prior and i participated in the discussion of one of the the girl defines uh husbands i was talking about how he must certainly be gay and nobody yelled at me for it but i recognized on my own that that's really messed up and if i'm the only one making these videos i kind of need to be a good example so it's you know normalize that i've also i haven't talked about it a lot but like i used to be quote unquote a pick me girl i would go on 4chan and try to be cool and be edgy and all that stuff and yeah you can change and it's okay (laughs) what's a pick me girl like do everything for guys attention not like, like other not girl like the other girls is a phrase you hear uh, a lot too. I see, I like, see. Not I like see. the other girls. Yeah. Got it. Normalizing change is a big thing. I think there's a lot of stigma and shame with shedding our old selves. It's mm-hmm. very hard to do. And I'm happy that you're taking such a humble perspective to this of welcoming that hard work of acknowledging where we've went wrong and then learning from it. Well, 
this has been a very fruitful conversation. Fruitful, <laughs> I like that word. Fun. I've had so much fun. Good. If you enjoyed today's conversation, then subscribe for new episodes released every Wednesday. And follow us on Instagram at Modern Anarchy Podcast, where we open up a dialogue about all of these topics. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. And a special thanks to one of my favorite artists, Your Smith, for the intro and outro song to this show.